0: season sports fan teams up with a millennial opinions may vary but the debates assuredly won't disappoint check your sources it's the report old report here's your hosts John Lund and Al Renato well Al another exciting week In athletics, college football is so close to the finish line. We could almost taste it. The NFL continues to roll on coronavirus be damned. We have NBA basketball being played already. It just seems like we had the NBA finals a day ago, but teams are getting back on the court. Preseason basketball MLB players are coming and going as we speak with early signings and so forth. Sports are a plenty As we batten down the hatches, recording this show during a snowstorm, we get to start once more with your Baltimore Ravens, two weeks in a row, the hot item or the most recent item in the national football league, a thrilling Monday night football game against your former Cleveland Browns, 47, 42. Back and forth we go quarterbacks coming and going quarterbacks outperforming who we think they are career games, just the best football game you could possibly ask for, especially at this point in the season and the implications it has for both teams, but we don't start with the game. We start with what everyone was talking about after the game as a Ravens fan, as somebody that watches this team week in and week out who knows the players inside and out. The obvious question is, did Lamar Jackson end up with cramps during the game and headed to the locker room to get an IV or treatment for said cramps, or did he fall victim to what the majority of people hope he falls victim to? And that's having to go number two during the football game and thankfully get everything out of his system so he could return for the two minute warning and the two minute drill and lead the Ravens to victory. That's obviously the most important question from that contest.
1: First of all, Johnny, greetings to all our fans. We welcome them back. We love having them aboard in the midst of a nor'easter. We've got a mammoth storm here uh in the Greater New York area. We'll see what it uh, winds up being. Supposedly 12 to 18 here. Cold, windy, lots of snow. We're inside. We're hunkered down. We've got our sports. And my Ravens come off a seismic Monday night win. And I have no idea in answering your question. I haven't got a clue whether or not, according to the morning men, he pooped his pants. According to everybody else, including Mark Jackson, he cramped up. Who knows? I don't know. I don't care. What is most important is the fact that it was a remarkable football game, when we all could use it—a standalone game on a Monday night that was huge for both teams in the AFC and in the AFC North, as the red-hot Browns come back and lose a heartbreaker and drop to nine and four, uh, two games behind the Steelers, who now lost two in a row, and my Ravens jump up to eight and five and right in the playoff hunt with a chance to go 11 and five, considering the rest of their schedule, which is giants, Bengals, Jaguars. So no reason to expect them to not go 11 and five against that competition, despite their COVID issues. But it was a incredibly entertaining game. It was a back and forth game. Just when you thought one team had taken control the other team, bounced back. Both quarterbacks played very, very well. Three of the five quarterbacks from uh, the big quarterback draft of three years ago. Obviously, Baker Mayfield going number one. Um, Sam Darno struggling with the Jets. Josh Rosen, parts unknown. And the Bills quarterback, now playing incredibly well, uh, and the Ravens quarterback last year's MVP after struggles, uh, in some very tough losses here where he was a turnover machine played mistake free football on Monday night, did it in a fashion that you cannot do forever in the NFL running a lot, throwing very little, uh, Yours truly, as you know, has been very critical of him, that he doesn't throw well from the pocket, straight drop back, missed some big throws, some wide open throws uh, that were huge in that game, uh, that cost possessions and put the Browns offense back on the field. Ravens defense, bad sign for them, wore down again. Very similarly to the way they wore down against the Titans in a game that they were in complete control of, gave up a two-score lead lost in overtime, couldn't get off the field. Same thing basically happened against the Browns. 34-20 lead, long drive, can't get off the field, touchdown. They go for two with a couple fourth-down conversions, make it. Short possession for the Ravens, Browns right back on the field, quick drive, touchdown, they take the lead, and then – came how should we call it uh the cramps that were suffered by allegedly according to him not allegedly but according to him uh the mvp he's nowhere to be found according to sideline reporter browns are on their way to score ravens get the ball back now and they get the ball back behind with trace mcsorley at the helm and uh, lo and behold, he takes them down the field with a big third down completion. And after his first possession or first series, when he made a great throw to Hollywood Brown, who, on a quick out for a first down, if you look at the play again, which much may have gone for, you know, another 40 or 50 yards uh, in, in terms of where he was on the field versus where the defense was. But he drops it, his third drop of the night. And. McSorley gets the next possession. He leads them down the field. Looks like they're in position to continue a march for potentially a game-winning score. And lo and behold, on a third and four, uh, when he cuts, he falls down, slips, wrenches a knee. We don't know, at least I do not know what the extent of that injury is. But the bottom line is the Ravens had no quarterback coming on fourth and five. and. Out of nowhere, at the two-minute warning, he comes out of the phone booth. And uh, on fourth and five, the rest is history. Lamar Jackson scrambles, uh, has two guys wide open in front of him. He could run. He could throw. They come up to defend the run. There's Hollywood Brown. This one what he catches. Touchdown, two-point conversion. Browns go down the field in about three seconds. Uh, thankfully, they left the Ravens enough time. And that leaves it to the greatest kicker in the history of the sport. Uh, did you ever think for a second, for a second, did you ever stop and think that Justin Tucker might miss a big kick outside of 50 yards on a Monday night? He's only six for six outside of 50 yards on Monday night in his career. 90% all-time, all-time leading percentage kicker in NFL history. And with all due respect to the great Jan Stenerud of my childhood, look him up. Uh, the great Adam Venetieri of your childhood and your adulthood, who's been terrific. This is the best kicker in the history of the sport. Because keep in mind, folks, this is 90% career. We're 10 years in now. And this is not Morton Anderson kicking off a turf. This is not Morton Anderson kicking inside. This is not Adam Venetieri kicking for the Colts inside. This is outside a minimum of 11 games a year. Eight in Baltimore, one at Cincinnati, one at Pittsburgh, one at Cleveland, at least every year, 11 of 16 at those venues. Outside, cold, windy, snow, grass, 90% career. And we're not talking about 30 yarders. We're talking about everything from 60 and in. He is the best kicker I've ever seen. He's the best clutch kicker I've ever seen. And when he came out there at 55 and he gave it his little – you know, line up with his arm. That's it. It's it. It's over. He never misses a big kick. Never. Doesn't matter how far it is. He is the greatest kicker in the history of the sport, and no one else is close. It's absolutely amazing how great this guy is is what he does and what he does. And a result, the Ravens back to eight and five, uh the Browns saying A lot of people saying, look, yes, a loss, but the Browns are here to stay. This is a different Browns team. Uh, Baker played well despite the interception. The thing I would be concerned about for the Browns was their defense or lack thereof. They couldn't stop the Ravens. They couldn't stop Lamar. And they still have the Steelers. Um, They will make the playoffs. but." the question becomes, what about their defense? And that really, they had pushed around. They had pushed around with the Browns running the ball. It wasn't just Lamar. It was, you know, Gus the Bus, It was Dobbins, the rookie from Ohio State. Ravens ran the ball incredibly well. And the concern on the Ravens end has got to be their defense. Because their defense has failed to hold leads against the Steelers' against the Titans, and again, on Monday night. But it was an extraordinary game, entertaining game. I was thrilled, and obviously you can talk about the ending and what it did to the world who bet on that game.
0: Thankfully, neither you nor I had American money on the game, but for the poor people that did, I'm sure you've heard already that the spread for the majority of people was three. So after the Justin Tucker heroics, disappointing for people that had the Browns, but you say, well, it's okay. It's a push for the majority of people. It's a push. You'll take that in gambling. Cause at least you don't lose money. You'll get your money back. Well, as luck would have it at the end of the game, the Browns did what any team would do. And, started doing what Scott Van Pelt refers to as the pitchy, pitchy woo-woo, where you just start hucking it back and forth across the field, hoping for a miracle. It usually ends in the ball going out of bounds or someone eventually fumbling it and it going into the other team's hands. The worst case scenario, though, especially for betters, is when you just keep going backward and eventually run out of real estate to do so. And after Baker Mayfield got the train rolling, throwing it like 15 yards backward, just wired it back there. That really got things going to where it ends up with Jarvis Landry with just no real estate to go in the back of the end zone. And he just goes out of bounds safety to end the game. The score goes from three to five Ravens betters rejoice Browns betters start tying the rope. And then who comes on right after the game? <laughs> Scott Van Pelt. They got the camera on him and he can't help but just laugh. And Stanford Steve just laugh because everybody knows what happened. It was unfortunate for some, certainly in that instance. And shockingly, I wasn't on that, though I did take the under for the game because we heard it was going to be windy and the conditions and they can't throw anyway. Lamar's not throwing the ball. And Baker's up and down when he has a good throwing game. So take the under 46, which the Ravens covered by themselves. So, a great day of gambling for a majority of the folks out there in the world. We just move on from that and move on from the game. But you mentioned a couple of key points from the contest being that the running game for the Ravens was certainly there. That is something that they're just going to have to hang their hat on. And you mentioned it too. That's not a formula you'd like to see. It's not a formula that you're going to build long-term success on, but I'll tell you what, if you get in the right scenario in the playoffs against a team that can stop the run, you just say, Hey, have Lamar go out and play backyard football and see what happens. See if he could put together a performance like he had against the Browns where he was just unstoppable with, with his legs. He was just basically going back into the pocket for show. And it was, where am I going to run to or who am I going to hand the ball off to? That was the Ravens offense where you just don't know how to stop it. And a lot of it, as you mentioned as well, had to do with the Browns defense, which was just atrocious, especially that fourth and five, like Trace McSorley has to come into the game and you think, well, maybe because he's in, he'll have to throw it some and he's just going to miss guys because he's not warm or he doesn't play a lot. And you just hope he overthrows somebody or throws it at their feet. And he unfortunately gets hurt. And that's it. He's going to win this game for your football team. And sure enough, he passes it to somebody that dropped a thousand passes and it didn't make a difference. So there was, there was exciting things for both teams and there were shocking things like the defense for both teams that they're going to have to fix for the postseason. I think the Ravens have a great chance of getting in. You were talking about this for weeks now, about must-win games, this was certainly one, and the schedule is now going to benefit, be benefactors to the Ravens. They're probably looking at the Dolphins for the team to overtake because they're the last team, and because they have a little bit more of a challenging schedule, and because we don't know what Tua Tonga'iloa is going to do. As a quarterback in these very meaningful games, he's had flashes. He certainly played well against the Kansas city chiefs who again, couldn't put a team away. Let them hang around and hang around and hang around. Like they love to do something. That's probably their biggest Achilles heel is just letting teams hang around. And one mistake is going to kill you for the game. But I guess it's the dolphins that you're looking at as the team that you could see yourself taking over. I think they have a definite chance to do so. They control their own destiny now of let's just win the rest of our games and we'll just cross our fingers that a couple other teams falter and we'll be in. So no worries if you're a Ravens fan.
1: At 11-5, and five, if they do go that, they're a lot. They will finish ahead of a tiebreaker with the Colts. Uh, they will win a tiebreaker with the Browns because they've beat them twice. And the Browns still have Pittsburgh. Um the Dolphins have a difficult schedule. So uh eleven and five, they will be in, and I think at eleven and five they will be the number one wild card. Browns uh, could do the same because
0: they have both New York teams and then the Steelers. So we'll we'll give the Steelers the benefit of the doubt, though we've enjoyed calling them frauds for weeks now, and they've proven mm-hmm. such in the last two weeks. But we'll give them the the loss there. But you assume they beat the New York teams. That would give them eleven and five as well.
1: Yep. Uh, The AFC is loaded
0: for bear. we got a bunch of really good teams.
1: Uh, I'm very curious to see who you have as the two, three, four teams behind the number one Chiefs. If you had to rank two, three, and four right now in the AFC,
0: give me that order. It's shocking to say that as of now, I would put the bills ahead of the Steelers. It shocks me to say it aloud, but the bills have showed us enough, especially in playing them that they're a better football team than Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers resume and record and what they've done up to this point is obviously not something to say isn't great, but their new blueprint on offense. And we talked about this for the past couple weeks of not really being able to establish the run and then having Ben Roethlisberger year 252 in the national football league, throwing 40 to 50 times a game, these quick passes, these just get it out of your hand fast and have the wide receivers do their thing passes instead of maybe sitting in the pocket a little bit doing that old big Ben thing where guys are coming, but he's just moving them out of the way and not going down, throwing it deep past couple of weeks. You're just seeing them sling it real fast in this offense and all defenders are doing is putting their hand up, knocking it to the ground. It's third and long and they're punting before you know it. I think the bills have overtaken them in that aspect of just having these receivers specifically Stefan Diggs who can just take over a game on the offensive side just throw him the ball and have him do his thing and then sprinkle in a couple other guys like hello Cole Beasley and the defense does its job the bills have been shockingly surprising this year especially when they're not able to play in front of bills mafia which is what we would have saw sunday night would have been amazing to see that game the bills fans Going against the Steelers and a handful of terrible towels. Been able to be the in the
1: building. So apparently they have devoted a great deal of effort uh, in seeking out uh, Nick Wright from FS1 and formerly from uh, Mad Dog Radio and his committee who have continually disrespected the Bills. And I had, uh, emailed Nick earlier in the week uh, asking him that uh, if the Bills win this game, uh, are they moving up a tier in the eyes of the committee? And in watching the game the other night, I texted to a few people that Big Ben uh, moves a great deal like the clock tower in London that he is named after. (laughs) And he looks just about as old as that clock tower right now. Uh, he, he's about ready to apply for Social Security. Uh, the ball looks like he's got nothing on it. And he looks like an old man back there. Yeah, he does. By football, stand, by football standards. He looks like an old man back there. It looks like it's got nothing on it sometimes, or it's late. As all these guys have said who played the game, Father time wins every time.
0: Eventually. He looks like they, they grabbed it's him undefeated. from Thanksgiving dinner. You know, after dinner. Hey, hey, uncle. Ben, let's why don't go, you go on and
1: throw a <laughs> few. Let's go on and throw a <laughs> few. That's how he looks. Let's go on throw a few. What do you say? All
0: right. All right. I still got it. Give me that. Go ahead. Give me it. Go. You go run There's down there. Ball. I'll throw it to you. There's a ball. Take a left at the maple tree. All right. Um, right. They're
1: struggling right now. They're struggling to find themselves offensively. Their defense is incredibly banged up uh, with their two big-time linebackers out. And I think we see this happen over the years. Teams who get out early and have a great run fall victim to injuries. Uh, They fall victim to not being able to maintain that level of play throughout the season. I think that's where the Steelers are right now on both fronts. They're simply not playing as well, and they've got a lot of injuries. Uh, and I think right now, both of those things caught up to them. Uh, I've got them right now. I've got them behind the Colts. I've got them behind the Bills. I've got them behind the Ravens. Now I'm subjective. And I've got them right with the Browns. Got them ahead of the Dolphins. But to me, you could really th- throw a, a handkerchief over that group. Now, right now, I would go two Titans, three Bills, four Colts. How about you?
0: Yeah, I could be okay with that. I was going to say I, I have the Titans behind the Bills. I think they do a great job of. I don't want to say hiding Ryan Tannehill, but when you can make Ryan Tannehill not have to be the narrative or the story good or bad, I think that works in your favor and having Derek Henry run the football the way he does and just take a game over. It is incredible to watch each week. You think there's no way he could possibly. He only has 80 yards, and it's the fourth quarter. And before you know it, you blink. Two more touchdowns. He's up to 160 somehow. He just I takes control of a game, and it's great to it. watch. And it I, helps I the love Titans. Sc-
1: I love old school. Yeah, you don't. Have I to love rely seeing a running Tannen back wear him down, like in the old days.
0: Yeah, give him he the ball. Wears you down. They do
1: they've done a great, great job, job on that. him. Done a great job on him for three quarters. You want to know what? Game's four quarters.
0: He's biding his time. It's unbelievable. The, the, the thing I still can't figure out is how did
1: whomever was playing quarterback for Ole Miss not throw for 500 yards a game <laughs> with Metcalf and Brown on the team yeah. at the same time for their entire career? Brown is terrific. Metcalf is a freak. And you had those two guys on the same time on the same team at the same time at Ole Miss. You throw them anywhere on the field; they can go the distance. They're big, they're strong, they're athletic, they're fast, they're tough. They don't shy away from contact. They're rough. They block. You know, I don't understand if you're an Ole Miss quarterback how you don't throw for a ton of yards and have great numbers with those two guys to throw to. You know, one on one side, one on the other. It's amazing they Yes. You know, two, and they're playing so well for two playoff teams. Brown is, you know, Metcalf gets all the juice. And in Tennessee, obviously, Derrick Henry gets all the juice. But Brown has just been terrific for them. Absolutely terrific. He is a wonderful, wonderful player. Um, the team that has kind of slipped through the cracks here, because probably the much maligned uh, cowboy quarterback with the thin tie and the 27 kids is running the show. The Colts don't look now. Uh, they're playing well. They're playing well. They dismantle the Raiders in Vegas, and you know, obviously in the driver's seat for one of the wild cards, and right there in the mix. With the Titans for the division, with the division up for grabs, uh, Reichs does a wonderful job. I think he's a terrific coach, and I think he's done an even better job keeping Phil Rivers under control, minimizing the no, minimizing the time with which the ball is in Philip Rivers' hands,
0: especially in crunch time. Maybe let's okay. run it a couple of plays here. Let's run the ball.
1: And what we're going to throw, we're going to get it out quick. Because the longer Phil holds it, the worse it gets. Quick strike in the passing game and gave it to the rookie from Wisconsin in the running game. Who's starting to arrive. Jonathan Taylor was the steal of a pick. He had some troubles hanging on the football in college, despite his gaudy numbers but he is beginning to get it and really starting to develop the running game for the Colts, which takes the ball out of Phillip River's hands, which is the best thing that could happen to the Indianapolis Colts.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato. And this is the new report, old report. NFC, we actually have some late action excitement. Maybe we'll even go as far as to say in America's favorite conference, the NFC East. Jalen Hurts comes onto the scene. Beats the New Orleans Saints, granted, with their backup quarterback who couldn't overcome a fourteen nothing lead. Once that happened in the game, put Jamison Sean Payne, How many I, times where do is, we have to where is where is James? James. Put him in the How game. How many times man. have
1: we got to watch Peyton Hill? You know, drop back, run around, and think he can outrun an NFL defense. Hold onto the ball too long, get sacked and or fumble.
0: How could it be worse? I don't understand how it could be worse than what you put on the football field. How could it be worse? I don't get it. I don't know what you're waiting for. I know you're obviously he's waiting Sean for Drew Brees to come back. But, he's Sean Payton's gadget guy. Sean Payton's gadget
1: guy. Sean Payton's got to prove to us he's right. That Taysom Hill is an NFL quarterback.
0: Uh, put me down for a no. I mean, they'll be fine because... Drew Breeze's 12, 13, however many ribs that he's broken, apparently are going to come together by the time the playoffs come. But if they were on the fringe and you're trotting out Taysom Hill into these games thinking that's the answer, I don't understand. I don't understand just trying out Jameis Winston. How could it be worse? So have him throw those punt interceptions have them wire at 50 yards downfield to Michael Thomas. And if it's picked off, you have a great defense. Just can, I, them into the can I see, can I just
1: see James for a series? Yeah. Put Taysom Hill,
0: a wide receiver.
1: Let me see a catch. It plays so, up. He had the surgery. Right. Let's test the eyes. Uh, To the Eagles credit, they played incredibly hard. They did that defense fought their guts out. I mean, sweat was playing like a man possessed, coming off the field with injuries, coming back in the defense. There's a huge amount of credit. They played so hard and they simply would not give up. They were relentless. And when it looked like New Orleans was coming back, they retook control of the game and I just think that that was a victory for uh, pride. That was a victory for heart. That was a victory for intestinal fortitude. So I thought the Eagles showed all of that. Um, I like the kid. He played okay. He wasn't great. I don't think he's ever going to be great. But except for the fumble down the stretch, he took care of the football. And the Eagles did the things that they need to do. They ran it well. They rushed the passer, pull out a pressure on, played with hard on defense, and they beat you know the team that was the top-ranked team in the NFC. And uh, now we see that the one seed's all up for grabs. With, in my mind, the leader as we speak this week, this week. In the MVP race. Right now. This is what we do. We talk about this stuff. So at this point. Aaron Rodgers to me. If I'm voting right now. And folks I don't have a vote. I should. Because I am the sports authority. I am the one who gives you the correct opinions on these things. Right now Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the National Football League. He's playing better than Patrick Mahomes with his three interceptions last week. All we have to go on is week to week. The body of work is terrific on both ends. Only one loss for Kansas City, best record in the league, best record in the conference. Three losses for Green Bay, top of the conference. However, right now, I think Aaron Rodgers is playing better. They both had terrific years. Stats are very similar. So right now, Aaron Rodgers gets my knot as the MVP. It's as close as it can be. But can't be a dead heat. Somebody's got to be in the lead. So Aaron Rodgers is in the lead for me.
0: I don't hate that. I think, especially after this week, you're correct in that assessment. Patty Mahomes had a. Shitty game against the Dolphins. Three interceptions. Of course, they come out with the victory. They score enough points, et cetera. But he didn't have a great game for him. Aaron Rodgers had a good game for Aaron Rodgers, especially against the Detroit Lions, who always play them close, no matter what year it is or who's on the team or who's hurt. Apparently, the center, did you see this? Had a fractured throat. He fractured his throat in the first quarter and finished the game. And this week he's questionable to play on Sunday with a fractured throat. He can eat. He can drink. He's not allowed to talk. I didn't know you could fracture your throat, nor did I know you could play in a football game with a fractured throat. But these right guys are tough. These guys. These guys aren't tough. I don't know when he's last missed a game. He has, he is one of those ridiculous offensive lineman streaks for consecutive games played, which will be in jeopardy this weekend. Fractured throat, finish the game. Probable to play this weekend. Probably will. I mean, if you're going up against him on the defense, do you know that his throat is fractured and like try to, you know, maybe give him a little elbow up the helmet a little bit. But but the
1: problem is if you
0: can't talk, how can you
1: call it the offensive block?
0: Well, apparently he can. If they, if he played three quarters with a fractured throat, I, it's incredible what some of these NFL players are able to do. His airway is unobstructed, so he's able to eat, but he's not supposed to talk or otherwise strain his throat. My goodness. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report this week, interestingly enough, not just in the national football league for quarterbacks winning the MVP this week, really put a wrench in our Heisman playing for the trophy game in the sec championship. When we pegged the Florida, Alabama matchup, the, whoever wins, wins the Heisman until Florida went out and shit the bed against LSU with just randoms from the street playing in this football game because of injuries because of coronavirus they're just trotting out anybody they could find onto that football field. It's a little bit foggy, conditions weren't the greatest. We know that Florida wasn't packed Dan Mullen couldn't pack the swamp like he wanted to do when they lost earlier in the season, he said, well, I hope we could get fans to pack the swamp for the LSU game. Cause that'll mean something. They still had half the place full. That didn't matter because they played like garbage in one instance for a storyline. It goes to what we've been saying for the examples of Ohio state, for the examples of the pac 12 is this is why the committee should take into consideration playing 10 to 11 games like many of the teams that are vying for a college football playoff berth have, because these are the types of games you get. These are the types of games that happen in a full season where you go in as a 23-point dog, or favorite, I should say. You're going to blow this team out at home. It's basically written in the stars and you lose. Now they'll say, well, one of the players threw the shoe of the opponent and we got a penalty and that kept the drive. going." You were playing like trash, man. Dan was with tied. your excuses. The game was tied. You didn't lose the game. Cause some kid stupidly threw a shoe. You lost it. Cause you played like garbage in a game where you should have blew them off the field and played Alabama. And so no, you're no, looking ahead to that game. Your quarterback plays like trash. That the Heisman storyline that we built up, Kyle, the, we out. the
1: Heisman is gone.
0: It's gone. It's Heisman's over. It's that was done. it. He threw it away. He threw it he'll away. Get the, he'll probably
1: get the invite to New York. You get the invite, but, but the, Heisman, that's it. the Heisman is threw gone. It away.
0: But that just mean, goes term, to no. show you overall that if you play a full season, these games can happen, and they've that's happened exactly to Ohio right. State several times in the past exactly six or seven right. years. It's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know how?
1: Why Ohio State, not USC? Mediocre schedule, undefeated. What's Ohio State? Who they beat? Indiana.
0: That's it. That's it. If wins, USC played if USC beats Oregon. Games. They played too close to games. They were too close to call. They didn't bleed them by enough.
1: What? No losses. No losses in the Pac-12. So if they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, why aren't, why aren't
0: they in the mix? They're not even close. The surprising part of that loss, we mentioned what it means just in regular college football seasons, why games matter because you could lose a game like this. Here we are pegging the Alabama game and as the Heisman game and the call they could maybe get in the college football playoff. You don't even, it doesn't even matter because you lose this one. The interesting thing was when the college football playoff rankings came out and Florida just dropped a little. They're still seventh after that loss. To which Nicole Auerbeck asked the chairman of the college football playoff, Hey, man, what's the point of even playing the games if that's what gets done to Florida after such an egregious loss? They're still in the top 10, <laughs> they're seventh. The they dropped a spot, but you don't go behind Georgia. You don't go behind Cincinnati, who didn't get to play because of coronavirus. They get penalized and fall down. I, again, you'll just be pulling your hair out to your bald trying to figure out what the committee does, but it was disappointing for some of the chaotic nature or look forward to that. We would have had heading into this weekend because now the only storyline is what we've been talking about and everyone has. It's just now upon us. This Clemson Notre Dame game is the big headline for this weekend because one team to me and hopefully to most is guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff. I think it's the winner no matter what. I'd say if it's Notre Dame the winner, they're 100% and no question. Clemson I wins, think, I think they're in. Clemson loses. That's, that's the interesting
1: discussion. Because we all assume, well, Clemson is going to beat them. You know, the, the constant talk is, well, if Notre Dame loses a close game, if, what if they get blown out? Well, what if Notre Dame wins again and puts Clemson at the two-loss mark, the two-loss against Notre Dame, and no real landmark go to wins.
0: No, Miami is no longer the highlight of your season. North after Carolina they wrecked by North Carolina. North Carolina is their best win. And North Carolina beating or almost beating Clemson last year. If you even want to go back that far, they were the team that gave them the best run. They didn't get to play yep. North Carolina, so they can't even have that on their resume. So
1: um, there's really nothing there for Clemson. In terms of you know, gaudy victories, um, Notre Dame would be it. And if you lose to the best team you played twice and you haven't really played anybody else of note, even though you've played a relatively full schedule, San Antonio, you get in. So what does that leave you with? That leaves you with Texas AM and one smoking loss to Notre Dame. And do you want to see them play again in the 1 4 game? It's, you know, it's not pretty. Not pretty. Now, if Clemson wins, it takes care of all that. And we get what we talked about before, Alabama, win or lose, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame. Once beaten, once beaten, uh, probably undefeated, and probably undefeated. And you got your big four. Four national teams, four national names, four big time programs, but are we getting tired of Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson being three in the four, being three of the four spots in the Final 4 Year You're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. It does get tiresome.
0: Well, you work for ACC what, radio, Al. this is great. Regardless <laughs> of what they do, i.e.
1: You know, Clemson losing two games, Ohio State playing six games, um, and we got other teams out there playing full seasons. we got Cincinnati going undefeated, When have got uh, Coastal Carolina going undefeated, when you've got USC going undefeated, when you've got you know, one loss A&M, granted, lost the best team they played, lost to them badly, it's Alabama. Uh, but they didn't lose to anybody else. I understand they didn't play 11 games because they lost a couple games to COVID. But they, they played nine games. Our state's played five games. Right? Five games. Five. Cinco. Cinque. Five. And they're going to get in. Yeah, if they beat I, I, the, I wonder, if they, too. If they, if, they beat, if they beat the journalists from Northwestern, which, they're going to uh, get in.
0: Texas A&M would have been even more interesting had Florida not Shit, the bad against LSU because they beat Florida after the Alabama game. Florida at the time was ranked fourth. If Florida gave Alabama a run for its money without the loss to LSU, I wonder if the committee reconsidered putting Texas A and M ahead of Ohio State based on their resume, only being the loss to Alabama, beating Florida, running through the SEC. Now, granted, there weren't a lot of. As many powerhouse teams necessarily. As I don't think so. Is. I don't think so. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like this year's gauge is solely based, basically, on the eye test. It's we like Under these feet, teams.
1: Six, six and oh, conference champ, Big Ten. Yep. You're in.
0: You're, You're in. in. We yep. like these teams visually. It's unfortunate, and we've been talking about it for weeks that this wasn't the year that they tried at least six teams in a playoff. How was Iowa State ahead of USC? Exactly. How was Iowa State
1: ahead of Coastal Carolina? Exactly. Why? <laughs> With two losses in the Big Twelve, you'll pull your hair out trying to gonna lose still They're going to lose Oklahoma. This has not been. And I understand it's it's a difficult season. Um, between the virus where teams have lost games, teams haven't played games, teams haven't had the full complement of players, but the committee has done far and away the poorest job they've done. Uh, in, In terms of the way they've structured the four and their reasoning and their movement, or lack thereof, after losses... For big teams or wins for uh, the group of five, there just hasn't been enough attention paid to how tough it is to go an entire season where you play all your games and go undefeated, or even a great one-loss season, versus being five and zero or six and zero. Big difference, and it's five and zero or six and zero against an incredibly mediocre schedule. Talking one about the fact that it's a Big Ten. The only team they played in is good as Indiana. And they barely beat them. So, yeah, the Alitas, they're loaded, ton of talent. Heisman Trophy candidate, he'll be a top draft pick. But, but, uh, I, you know, they, you- get if th- they get in if they're 3 0 because they look good.
0: Just be honest to people. That's all they want to hear. Just be honest to people. Instead of Gary Barta just getting up there every week and and making sure we all know that the committee watches a lot of football games. Yeah, we get it, dude. The co- so the committee watches the football games. So do hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of not just people that get paid to college cover college football, but people that like their their lives are college football. They're watching the games too, man. Just come the out and say this is what we're doing this year. And be honest about it. The eye test is what's going to carry this year's college football playoff rankings. Just tell people that. It's okay. The other thing that's getting frustrating
1: is, and I've always been four, 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 four. But they're putting us in the position of having to watch three of the same four teams every
0: year. Right. Do we really want that? I don't know if I do. Well, how about today? The early signing day. Look who the top 10 teams of course, were. It's the of same course. names every year. Same names every year.
1: And I'm, I'm starting to believe, and I never thought I'd say this. I'm starting to believe in six. I'm starting to believe in three against six, four against five, buys for one and two, and then we. Cause I can always find a way for six into the argument. Eight. No six. Yes. Give me your pick in Notre Dame Clemson, the rematch before we leave our friends.
0: Here is where I can't get away from when I look at this game. It's what benefited Notre Dame in circumstances that you don't usually see you had the first play of the game go for a 75 yard touchdown run for Notre Dame seven, nothing before he could blink. You had as part of Clemson's three turnovers, one of them, a fumble that immediately went for a touchdown that made it 2010 Clem Notre Dame at the time. Next drive for Clemson, another fumble, which led to a field goal. Now, The knock is of course, Ian book fumbled the football two inches away from the end zone, which Clemson didn't capitalize on, but it still happened. The defense being healthy is the main storyline for Clemson. And from what I've heard, it will be close to, if not a hundred percent, that should maybe make the Clemson fan base a little bit Easy? Not as uneasy? because that's what the turning point was in the game. DJ. Lele threw for a record against Notre Dame at the quarterback position. Trevor Lawrence' passing won't be what makes or breaks the game, because he could easily do that I mean, not easily throw for 400 yards, but easily have a good passing game. What he'll bring is the RPO. And them running the football with him and through him, something they didn't do in the first game because DJ had his shoulder banged up. They didn't want to run him as much. What's thrilling, though, is Ian Book is playing the best football of his career, of his life. He's often been uh, somewhat of a joke in, in big games where you nudge him in the ribs. Come on, Ian. What's...? He's playing great. Notre Dame didn't take the fall back that people thought they might have against North Carolina against my, they played great since the Clemson game. I am going to take the old reliable and still believe in Clemson for this game, where if it's a normal game, the fluky plays, the not lucky plays, but the, the ball bouncing, in the right or wrong direction for both teams. Doesn't happen as often. The turnovers don't happen to Clemson. If it's a game that just happens, I think Clemson should be favored and will win. Will they cover the 10 in the hook though, Al? Is the big question. I'll take them with that too. You ride with them long enough in the biggest game of the season and their biggest game in the regular season in years. Let's see one more. (laughs) Give me Clemson. Incredibly interesting game
1: because everybody loves Clemson. Uh, Nobody's given Notre Dame any respect. And it's always for the reasons that we don't think that Notre Dame can play with these guys at that level of athleticism as well as depth. I am, uh, I, I am hoping against hope that this is close to as good a game as it was last time around. Uh, just from the fan perspective, because I want to watch a really good college football game with a lot on the line. And I'm hoping I get that because it's been a tough year. It's been a long year even though this portion of it has gone by quickly with respect to the sports. And I would really love to see both these teams play their hearts out Um, and it come down to a last-minute drive, a field goal, touchdown, whatever the case may be. I think Clemson is just going to find a way. This is not a vintage Clemson team. It's not a national title Clemson team, I don't believe. Uh, I don't think they have much of a chance of winning the national title as much as everybody loves the quarterback. I just don't think they're on the level of the teams that we've seen Clemson have on both sides of the football in the last four or five years. So I'm going to pick Clemson. Close. Uh, They find a way. And they get into the Final Four, along with uh, Notre Dame with their one loss to Clemson, and along with Alabama after they knock off Florida, and that leaves us with six win Ohio State. we are gonna have to live yeah. with Yeah, simple as that. Because they're not gonna keep them out if they go six and zero. Nope they they pretty much told us that already by having them where they are. How are they gonna be jumped if they win the Big Ten title?
0: No chance. Not going to no chance. Zero. Zero. Best case scenario for the ACC is Clemson wins. You get two win. Worst case is Clemson loses because as you mentioned, as we've said, I don't think they make it with two losses. It hasn't happened in the college football playoffs history. And for all the wackiness of sports, I don't see that being where college football goes out on a limb to change the past and go against the grain, taking in a two loss team, even though it was to one team, I don't see it happening. So Fingers crossed that John Swafford still decides to cancel the game, but if not, it should be exciting. And that's the storyline now going into the weekend since we lost our Heisman preview game, it'll be an exciting weekend of college football. The NFL will do its thing and we continue to roll on getting to do these shows. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week.
1: We're going to dig our way out here in the winter in the midst of the virtual winter meetings, hopefully some baseball talk next week as well. Maybe some free agent, movement, some trades. Uh, until next, we meet, folks. Stay safe. Uh, dig out. Stay warm. For my part of the great John Land, I am Mel Renato and K.L. from Flint. Have a great and safe sports week, everybody.